All right, what's up, Liquid Church? How y'all doing today? So good to see you. Let's give it, make some noise for our campuses that are watching right now. Those watching online, so good to have you guys here. Uh, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm super excited to be here with you because we are kicking off a brand new series, a series called Playlist, The Soundtrack for Life. And really, this is a series about music. Any music fans in the room today? At our campuses, any music fans? Awesome. You know, I love music, and so I'm super excited. And the thing about music is it's universal. In every culture and every time and every place, there's some sort of music that people are playing, and there's so much diversity to music, right? You've got hip-hop, and you've got heavy metal, and you've got country, and you've got EDM and trap music. There's so many different varieties, and what many of us do is we take all this music that's out there, and we create playlists. And a playlist is really a bunch of songs, songs from different artists, different genres, maybe different times of life or in history. And we all put them on a list and their list is all around some sort of theme. And the theme could be a mood that you're in, it could be an activity you're taking part in, or an event that you're going to. For instance, maybe some of you, when you go to the gym, you have a playlist, right? You play something a little heavy, something that gets you some energy, gets you pumped up, gets you ready for what's coming up, right? So that's your gym playlist. But then when you're going to a wedding, you got a different playlist. Something a little softer, something a little smoother, something for your first dance maybe, something like that. And you listen to these songs and it reminds you of your wedding, but maybe you have a breakup playlist. <laughs> Come on everybody, you know the words. All by myself, you play this on repeat for 10 hours until the tears can't come anymore, right? There's your breakup playlist, but then of course, you've got the vacation playlist. Beach vibes, sitting on the sand, drinking your Mai Tai, little Bob Marley in the headphones. Oh yeah. We all have a playlist for something that's going on. And because of our phones now, you can literally stream an infinite amount of music. Your playlist can go on and on and on. Actually, I'm just kind of curious. How many of you listen to music on like Spotify? Like Spotify is your, okay, yeah, most of us I think do. Uh, how about like you're like, now I'm not a Spotify guy. I'm an Apple music guy because anything Apple is like what I do. Okay. Um, how about YouTube? Any YouTube music people? Okay, see, that's kind of growing. More and more people are listening to music on YouTube. Um, who still has a CD player? Let's give it up to the seniors, everybody. You're still in the game. Now listen, um, it is easier now more than ever to get access to playlists right now. In fact, you know, you go on Spotify and they actually curate playlists for you, all sorts of music. Sometimes it's like the best, uh, like the top, you know, songs that are in the country. I love this one. They've got like rap caviar. I guess it's like, you know, rap about fish eggs. I don't know. Um, you've got beast mode over here with a picture of Pastor Tim on the cover there to inspire us. And, you know, it's funny, like I was actually going through um, Spotify, just like looking up like for some new playlists. I found some really interesting ones. You guys want to hear some samples? Okay, cool, cool, cool. So I found this one called Knitting Party. Where are my knitters at? Make some noise, you crazy knitters. I, I gotta say though, there's 342 songs on this playlist. What is happening at these knitting parties? And I was even more concerned, or I feel like I'm missing out, when I was looking through the song list and I saw this one particular song. I got some questions after I play this one. Check this out.
All right, here's my question. What is going on at the knitting party where you have to play Taylor Swift's You Gotta Calm Down? Like, is it getting out of hand at the knitting party? Is it getting too loud? Like, what's happening? You're stabbing people with knitting needles? Like, what is happening? So, knitting, knitting party, that's, that's one of my new favorite ones. Another one is called Golfing with the Broskies. Okay? Where are my golfers at? Make some noise if you're a golfer. Okay, I gotta be honest, I'm not a golfer. I don't think I'm a broski. But, there's some dope tunes on this playlist. Here, check this one out. Right? A little bit of the Carlton dance here. All right, you can, you can stop that. We don't need any more of that. Um, there's just something about the Carlton dance, right? You know, Tom Jones plays. But listen, you know, but in all seriousness, though, something does happen when I listen to that song. Like, I get transported back to the 90s, I, I remember where I am. I'm sitting on my buddy's couch, and we're watching The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, th there's just something that happens when I listen, and that's the power of music, right? You listen to a song, and it triggers something in your memory, and you're right back there. Think about it. You hear a song, and all of a sudden, you're back in high school remembering when you, your team won the big game, and everyone's cheering. Or you hear another song, and you remember that road trip you took with your girlfriends, and it was so, like, formative, and those friendships were solidified almost forever. You listen to a song, and it takes you back to your first kiss, or it takes you to that significant breakup. But that's the power of music. That's why it can be so, you know, that's why we listen to. That's why we create these playlists. It really literally helps us process the emotions going on in our lives. So that's my question. What is on your playlist? What do you listen to maybe to get you in a better mood or to maybe help you focus or, or to get you hyped up, to get you passionate about it? What's on your playlist? In fact, that's why we have music at the beginning of our services is we want to help our people be remembering what God did for them how God came through. And sometimes we don't even know what we're feeling, and sometimes music gives us expression because, you know, our words may fail us, but sometimes those sounds, those songs, speak what's going on in our hearts. That's the power of music. That's the power of the playlist. In fact, did you know that Jesus had a playlist? Jesus had a playlist of 150 songs. They weren't on his iPhone because Jesus was an Android user. Jesus's playlist was actually the Psalms. In fact, why don't we say this together, church? Say Psalms with me. Psalms. Psalms in Hebrew means praise. These are Hebrew poems that were actually made to be sung. So, you know, we have it in our Bibles and we read them, but they're actually made to be sung. And in the actual Hebrew language, they actually fit much better with the ancient instruments from the early Middle East in, the, in that era. But these were songs that were meant to be sung as a, as a big gathering. So, like, what we do in church on Sunday mornings, these would be songs that we'd sing together, but they'd also be something that you'd read in your journal. Like, you know, you'd write a poem in your journal uh, to God. They, were, they had that, uh, that sense of intimacy with them as well. And so Jesus, being a rabbi, had all 150 of these songs memorized. And so he would kind of call upon them. In fact, Jesus quotes more from the Psalms than any other book in the, in the Old Testament. And so Jesus has an amazing time of ministry, and he breaks out into a psalm saying, Lord, you are so good. Your love endures forever, on and on and on. But then in the darkest times of his life, Jesus also reaches for a psalm. In fact, the day he's crucified, He's singing, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. See, these psalms for Jesus and for God's people helped shape 
how they approached God, how they spoke to God, and how they would approach the world and the circumstances around them. And just like, you know, anything else, uh, you know, our music today, we have got so much diversity, these different genres, like you have to know about EDM to appreciate EDM, you have to know a little bit about country to appreciate country. The different genres of the Psalms help us appreciate where they're coming from. For instance, we have Psalms of praise and worship, which is really talking about what God has done for us and celebrating who he is. And then we've got Psalms of lament, and these are Psalms of complaint, where it's complaining to God about how awful things are, how the world sucks, how my life sucks. In fact, did you know 70% of the Psalms are lament? It's literally like, you had a bad day, go and write a lament because things are just the worst. That's essentially my version of a lament. <laughs> David's more talented than I am. And then there are Psalms of confidence and victory. These are the Psalms that say, God, I am going to have faith in the face of fear. I don't care what's coming my way. I know, God, that you got this. It's kind of like the, we are the champions, my friends. It's like that one. That's kind of what's going on in these Psalms of confidence and victory. Now, what's interesting is these psalmists are literary geniuses. And so what they do is they interweave these different genres together. So a psalm can start out as a praise and worship, but then it goes into a lament and a complaint. And then it ends by saying, I'm going to be confident in God. God, even when things fall apart. See, what the Psalms are really meant to do is to teach us about worship, and really about how worship is not just about music, but it's how we orient our lives. It's about our priorities. It's about what we value and what's most important to us. And a psalm that does that is Psalm 63. That's where we're going to be walking through today. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn with me to Psalm 63. If you uh, follow our Liquid Church mobile app, you can open up the app. We've got notes in there. We've got scripture in there that you can follow as well. Now, whenever you read a psalm, you know, it's got the psalm, the number, and then there's usually a small superscript underneath. These kind of give you a little bit of context of what to be aware of in the psalm. And the superscript of Psalm 63 says this. It says, A psalm of David. Now, David was one of the writers of the Psalms. There were many writers. He was one of them. And it says he wrote it when he was in the desert of Judah. Now, scholars believe that David wrote this when he was on the run from his son. To give you a little bit of background about David, David was the king of Israel, one of those powerful kings, a uh, super dysfunctional family. And that spilled over into the kingdom, and the kingdom was kind of uh, going through all these different rifts. And so, and so David had a son, his favorite son, a guy named Absalom, who was like, you know what? I don't want to wait for my dad to die to become king. I want to become king now. So he starts by turning the people against David. He recruits some military leaders, and eventually he has a coup. They force David out of power, but now Absalom, to consolidate his power, needs to kill his father. And so he's hunting him down. And so David is in the wilderness. He is running and he's hiding. He's just trying to stay alive. He's just trying to survive. Now, you would think in this time that David would just be lamenting. He would write lament after lament after lament. But what David does is interesting. He does have his share of laments that he's written from this time period. But he also writes a song of praise and worship. And that's what Psalm 63 is. Because David is saying, no matter what my circumstances say, I'm not going to let that dictate what's going on in my heart. And so he starts to sing these words. He sings, O God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So again, David is a poet, and he, he's talking about how he's in this harsh, dry desert land. And in the midst of that, he's like, you know what, God, 
it's not just my body that's thirsty. My whole soul, my whole being is thirsty for you. And he goes on and he sings, I have seen you in the sanctuary, and behold, your power and glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. And so David, again, is remembering. He's like, man, God, I remember when I'd go to church and I'd see how you healed the sick. I saw how you answered prayer. I saw how I would come and worship, and man, I would get a sense of peace. I would get a sense of that you were okay, that you were, that you were in the room with me. And, and he's writing that. He, he thinks of God's love, and the word for love in Hebrew is hesed. Turn to the person next to you and say, Hassan. Make sure you spit on them to say it right. You've got to have a little bit of saliva to, to, you know, to do it well. Okay, Hassan. Hassan means loyalty. It's sometimes translated loving kindness. It's this idea that everyone else can walk away, but you are with me. You got my back. I'm not leaving. And so David's like, God, I know you got my back when everyone else has walked away, when everyone else has believed the lies and they believe the rumors, but you haven't left me, God, so I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to give you all the credit for anything that's good that comes out of my life. And so David keeps singing. He sings, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will, let's all say this together, church, lift up my hands. So I'm going to go ahead and do this, all our campuses. Lift up your hands. Lift them up nice and high. It's part of what we do for worship. Okay, this doesn't count. This is T-Rex. Okay, all the way up. Okay, all the way. And some of you are like, but it's so hard. I go, you need to go to the gym. Okay, <laughs> worship is full body, full volume. I'm kidding. You can, just put, your, you can put your hands down now. <laughs> and so David is like, he's singing, he's praising, he's worshiping. He keeps singing. He sings, my soul will be satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So David's like, God, being with you is better than filet mignon. It's better than all-you-can-eat Chinese food, which for me is amazing. <laughs> David's like, God, being with you is better than any kind of food I can imagine. And he's like, it's not, a, you know, and it doesn't stop. He goes, he sings, on my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul, it clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. So I know many of us are thinking, man, these words, David is talking about singing and he's talking about clinging. Man, this is beautiful. I got to put these words on my Instagram. I got to get a sunset in the background. I got I to gotta choose the right font. I'm going to go use the Juno filter. I'm going to make this a beautiful picture. But y'all got to keep in mind, where is David when he's writing this? He's not at a coffee shop writing in his journal. David's actually in the desert. In fact, some people think he might be in a desert that looks something like this. Uh, scholars think that David was hiding in this wilderness, and as you can see, it's rocky, it's dry, it's lonely, and there's a series of caves all throughout this area. And David is literally going from cave to cave to cave. He's in hiding. And, and I think we really need to get this. He's in hiding because his son is trying to kill him. Think about this. The kid that you raised, that you love, that you put so much hope in, is now seething with rage, trying to kill you. And so David, to get away from it, it's like he's going to Death Valley, and he's hiding. And he's, I'm sure, feeling all sorts of things. He's angry. He's frustrated. He just feels alone. And so as he's in the season and he's hiding in a cave, I'm sure he takes out his earbuds. And I'm sure he puts them in. He listens to maybe something like this. 
feeling the pain of a son that's abandoned him. Maybe feeling despair, just feeling kind of lost. Anyone ever feel that way, just hurt? A sense of despair, just kind of wondering what's happening and feeling like you're never going to get out of there. And that's exactly where David is. And even though he's writing this psalm of praise about how great God is and how good he is, I'm sure that pain and that hurt is still there because it bubbles up in this next lyric where David sings this, They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. You know what David's saying here? David's like, my son, Absalom, and, and all of his cronies that are trying to come at me, you know what? They can all just go to hell. I mean, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to see the sword go into them and kill them all, and then their rotting corpses, their bloated bodies get eaten by jackals. That got dark fast. David's writing a worship song. Can you imagine, like, you're going to worship night, and you're getting your worship on, you're like, yes, Lord, you know, you are amazing, hallelujah, and then all of a sudden, worship becomes a death metal concert, and then all of a sudden, you're going from singing hallelujah to kill them all, destroy everything, you know, and you're like, what is happening? Like, this is not what I signed up for. Like, you got to fire the worship pastor. What's, what's happening here? Well, even though David is singing this psalm of praise, remember, this is a worship song, He's not shying away from the reality of what he's feeling. He's hurt. He feels despair. He feels angry. He, he feels uh, the sense of loss, and, and it spills over. Now, we know from the full counsel of Scripture that God calls us to love our enemies and to pray for those who are persecuting us, but do you always feel like loving your enemies? No. Do you feel like praying for those who persecute you? No, of course not. You don't want to pray for someone who's talking behind your back, who's maybe finding ways that they could hurt you or your family. None of us feels like that. And so David is being honest about what he's feeling. And he takes it and he points it right to God. He gives God the fullness of his pain, the fullness of his disappointment. There's a, a realness and a rawness that's there when he worships. Can I ask? Are your prayers that honest to God? Are you that real or that raw with him? Or, or, or do you maybe try to censor yourself? Because God can handle your pain. God can handle your hurt. He can handle your anger and all the negativity that you bring. And he wants you to bring it to him because that's what true worship is. That's how we can walk in that, in the fullness of that. But I want you to look at how David ends his song. In fact, he's able to work through all those negative emotions and he finally comes to this place where he says, the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him while the mouths of liars will be what? Silenced. So David's like, all right, God, you know the situation isn't great. You know I'm angry, but I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to choose that you know what you're doing and I'm just going to know and put all my hope in you. And I think from this psalm, we actually see some lessons that we can grab hold to that are going to help us in terms of how we worship. And the first lesson is this. It's that true worship quenches spiritual thirst. You know, and David kind of sings this in the first verse where he sings, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now the Hebrew word for soul is the word nephesh. Now the root word for that 
actually is the same word that means throat. Because when you're thirsty, where do you feel it? You feel it right here. See, what David's getting at is, because he's a poet, he's like, you know, we feel physical thirst all the time. We know how to identify it. But spiritual thirst, it's really also a full body, full whole human being experience. We have a thirst as human beings. In fact, pastor and author Tim Keller says that you can really take spiritual thirst and break it down into three areas. There's first the thirst for satisfaction, and this is looking for things that will make us happy, things that will make us comfortable. Maybe it's the next promotion, or maybe it's your next vacation, your next round of golf with the broskies, right? Or, or maybe it's watching the newest Netflix stuff, you're playing the new video game, whatever it is we think that's going to make us happy, that's going to satisfy us, a new relationship, that's what's going to give us the thrill that we need. So we thirst for satisfaction, and then there's the thirst for security. That could be like financial security. I want to make sure there's enough money in my bank account, my 401k is going to be good, so I don't have to worry about anything. Or how about relational security? I got to make sure I got my friends and my spouse, they're all with me. And then there's, you know, having security in terms of just being safe. I got to make sure I'm going to be okay in all these different fronts. But then we're also thirsty for significance. We want to know that what we do and who we are makes a difference, that it matters. And that may look like in terms of our, our, our job title or our relationship status, the kind of car we drive, the kind of house that we live in, uh, that we can kind of raise up our kids. We find our identity and significance in, in being moms and being dads. And all these things are good things. They're, they're not bad things, but the problem happens when we think that these will really will satisfy our deepest, deepest longings and deepest, deepest thirsts. In fact, that's really where the issue takes place. Because eventually, they don't do that. Eventually, you know, something happens. For instance, you watch, the, you binge on Netflix, and you're still as miserable as you were before. You know, you get out of one relationship, and you get back into another one, and the thrill is gone there, and you go and find another one again. Or we think, you know, I'm going to be financially secure, then an emergency takes place, and your bank account's drained. Your 401k takes a hit when the economy goes bad. Or we think we'll be significant if we have this job, but the job turns out to be a nightmare. Your kids grow up and they move on, and your role as a parent's change, and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where, how I fit into all this stuff anymore, because we've tried to satisfy and quench these thirsts with temporary things. And David totally gets this, because David has lived this. Remember, David started out his, his journey in the castle, right? David was living in the castle. He was living it up, and then he went from the castle to the cave, where he's struggling, where he's not sure what's happening next. Remember, he went from being the king, so he was satisfied. He's like, I can get any kind of food I want. I can get any kind of relationship I want. Anything that I want, I just snap my fingers and it's mine. But now I'm in the cave where I've got to eat whatever comes my way, whether it's a snake or a bug. I've got to sleep now on the dirt and on the sand. David went from being the most secure man in the world. Remember, he was the commander-in-chief of the greatest army in the Middle East. And now all that's taken away. He's with 30 guys that are his guards in front of the cave where he's stuck. And you talk about significance. Hey, it's good to be the king, right? David went from being the king and ruling over everything to losing it all and being a fugitive in his own hometown, in his own kingdom. But yet David says, I'm still, my thirst is quenched. Why is he able to say that? Well, look what he says say here, or actually what he sings here. He sings, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will, what's that word, church? Glorify you. 
So David's like, you know what? Even though I am now living in the cave, and even though things aren't great, God, I know that I can find my true satisfaction in you because you give me joy. Your love, your hesed love, your loyalty love is always with me when everyone else has walked away. And you know what? Even though I am no longer secure because my army's not there to protect me, God, I know your power. I know how amazing you are, so I'm going to trust in you and hold on to your power. Amen? And you know what? Even though things are falling apart and I'm no longer seen as the king, God, I know that you've got a plan for my life. Your word says that you've made man a little bit lower than the angels, so because you are my creator, I know I have significance. Amen? Amen. This is our God. This is what he says about David and what he says about you and I. In the midst of the difficulties, we can hold on to him. So can I ask you, what are you quenching your deepest thirsts with? Are you quenching them with what is temporary? Or are you going to quench them with what's eternal? Something that's going to last for a long, long time. Because, you know, human beings, we're eternal beings. We have eternal thirsts. They can't be satisfied by what is temporary, but only the one who is eternal. See, true worship satisfies spiritual thirst. But the second lesson we see is that true worship displaces our anxiety. See, anxiety is when we kind of obsess and focus and overfocus on situations. We're hyper alert all the time. Now, God has given us a lot of ways to kind of mediate anxiety. He's given us his spirit. He's given us God's people. He has given us counselors. He's given us medication, all these things that we can use. But I also believe that God has given us true worship to help us displace anxiety in our life because David was an anxious person. I want you to listen to this lyric that he sings. He sings, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. See, David is writing this, and really what's happening is David can't sleep. David can't sleep. He's anxious. I mean, wouldn't you be? You're going from cave to cave. You don't know what, you're, there's uncertainty in your life. You don't know what's going to happen to you. You may be killed. You may not. And so David is kind of going through all this, and he's wrestling with all this. And as that's going on, I'm sure he just can't sleep. Can't sleep at the daytime, can't sleep at night. And I think as Americans, we live in an age of anxiety, don't we? We literally live in, a, in an age where it's having a full-blown panic attack. We are having anxiety when it comes to politics, when it comes to economics, when it comes to the environment. If it affects us, it also affects our children. Anxiety is the rule of the day. And maybe it looks different for many of us. For some of you, the reason why you can't sleep at night is because you've got a son or a daughter that's out and you don't know where they are. You don't know what they're doing. And all of a sudden, your mind is going to some dark places. Or maybe you've gotten a diagnosis, and it just filled you with fear. You're like not sure what the future is going to hold, and now your mind is taking you to some dark places about what's going to happen or what's not going to happen and what you need to do or what you need to, do, to do, not do, and all of a sudden your anxiety has just taken over. Or maybe you just graduated college. Your friends are getting jobs and they're moving on, but you haven't gotten a job yet. The anxiety is growing. The panic is growing. You're still working the minimum wage job and living with mom and dad, and you wonder, did God just forget about me? Am I ever, is this situation ever going to change? And your mind starts to go to some dark and depressing places, and you're wondering, what's next? Anyone else having a hard time sleeping? <laughs> what's keeping you up at night? You see, for David, all this stuff is going on in his head, but I want you to look and see how David responds. Because David, if you know his story, he has let his anxieties take him to some dark, dark places which have led him to do some dark, dark deeds. But look what he's 
is doing now. It says that, you know, he's up during the watches of the night, and really that's really when the guards change, because he needs to have 24-hour surveillance because he's being pursued by his son. And I get this picture that David is in the cave, and as he's in the cave, he's just writing. He's just writing what he's feeling, and what he's, and one of the things that he writes is, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. He writes this down. You see, David is training his mind to handle his anxiety differently. Before, he'd let his anxiety take him to dark places, but now he's like, no, no, anxiety, you're going to take me to Jesus. I'm not going to let my anxiety rule me. I'm going to turn my anxiety to praise. I'm going to turn my anxiety to worship so I look to God, not to my situation and circumstances. So what's this look like for us? So your son and your daughter, they're out late. You don't know where they are. And rather than let your mind take you to dark places, to painful places, and let fear and insecurity rule the day, what you need to say is, God, I need to surrender my son to you. God, I, I need to surrender my daughter to you. God, I don't know where he is or what she's doing, but God, I know that you are there with them. Would you give them wisdom? Would you help them make right decisions? Would you save them if they need to be saved from any situation, God? But you love them more than I do, so would you be with them, God? And you pray out your anxiety and you turn it back to God. Or if you've got that diagnosis, maybe you need to put in your earbuds some worship music and you need to marinate in the truth of who God is. You need to marinate that he has got a plan for your life that he's not done with you yet. You need to marinate with that until it gets into the depths of your bones and you say, God, you are in charge of my future. You need to declare the truth of who God is and what he has for your life. God, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I know that you are holding on to my future. And maybe you're wondering why the job hasn't come yet and you're getting anxious and maybe you need to turn that anxiety and say, God, I'm going to trust in you whether I get a job or not. I know that you're preparing me for the right position. You're preparing me for the right destination, the right destiny. So I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to hold on to you. I know you got something for me in this time of preparation. Y'all, true worship is meant to form us and transform us. Amen. True worship challenges the way you assume about other people. It challenges the way you approach situations and circumstances. True worship changes us so we can be agents of change in this world. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, so wait, you're telling me if I sing some songs, my anxiety will go away? You're telling me if I, if I sing some songs, the deepest longings of my heart will be fulfilled? Like, how, how does that work? Like, how does that come together? And, and if you're asking that, that's a great question. Because a lot of times, I think worship can seem kind of like it's um, inaccessible. It's really kind of um, this thing that's kind of airy-fairy. But I thought maybe to help us understand this a little bit more, maybe to break this down for us, I'd bring a friend out on stage. So I want to bring out a good friend of mine, Pastor Clint Taylor. Come on out, Pastor Clint. Let's give him some hand. Make some noise for Pastor What's Clint up, across guys? our campuses. How's it going? So give me, give me a hand. hug, buddy. It's good so to see you. So let me you. give you a little bit of introduction. Pastor Clint is our worship pastor uh, across all of our campuses. You oversee all of the worship pastors at every single campus, all seven of them here at Liquid. And you've got great hair. Oh, thanks. So do you. Oh, thanks. Oh, I got to just... Dude, thank you so much. Out. You know, you know, I, you know. We don't want to weird people out because we're good too friends. Too late. Yeah, I know. Too late, too late. Anyway. <laughs> so can you, can you break down worship for me a little bit? Like, you know, you know what, how does this worship thing work? Like, kind of just you know, share that with us. Absolutely. Well, you know, 
Me as worship pastor, I love talking about worship. And so I'm so excited that we're going to be talking about this for the next four weeks. Yeah. Walking through the Psalms. And so it is, it's a big topic. But, you know, for me, worship really boils down to this one idea of just surrendering to God. What do you mean by, by surrender? Sounds kind of like a churchy word. What, yeah. Break that down. It could be a little bit of a churchy word. You know, for me, surrender, it's just kind of telling God that I don't belong to me anymore. I actually okay. belong to you. Like, this life is yours. These hands, they're your hands, Lord. This mouth is your mouth. Hmm. And all my hopes, my desires, like my fears, my family, Lord, I surrender them to you. Lord, I give okay. them for you. Your will, not my will be done. Oh, that's interesting. Hey. They like that. That'll preach. They like that. <laughs> Well, awesome. Hey, man, I, I really get that sense of, hey, this is not my life. It's God's life, surrendering it up to him. But so what would this look like, say, like on a Monday? You know, like I'm getting out of bed and I have to go to work and all that. Like break that down for me a little bit. Absolutely. You know, so I think a lot of times when we think about worship, we go straight to music. Right? But worship is so much more than music. You know, like here on Sunday mornings, you know, we get together 20 minutes, like we lift up praise to God. But he wants so much more than 20 minutes. Mm. He wants your whole day. He wants your whole week. He wants your whole life. He wants it all. He's a jealous God. And so on Monday, it looks like, you know, when you get out of bed, instead of going straight to like email, or Instagram. Instagram, yep. I know you're guilty of that one. I do. I like, you like all my stuff like at all 6 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> instead of going straight to social media, right, to see the validation through likes, you actually say, no, I'm going to get in God's presence. I'm going to read his word. Mm. I'm going to open up my Bible app. Yeah. And I'm actually going to pray to the Lord. I surrender this day to you, Lord. This day is dedicated to you, Lord. Would you help me even just to love your people more? That's good. Surrendering it to him. That's good. Yeah. So that's Monday. What about, you know, there's always a Tuesday that comes. There's after always Monday. a Tuesday. Do we you do know, anything like, on Tuesday? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So like maybe you're at work. And you're in, a, in the middle of a project with a coworker, and all of a sudden there's just like tension, right? Because that never happens. There's no, never. There's never tension at never. work. Never. But there's tension, and instead of like white knuckling through it, right, and just being frustrated, you actually pull yourself aside and you say, Lord, like, what's the blind spot in me? Like, how can I love this person more, Lord? How can I surrender this situation to you? Mm. You know, it's all yeah. about surrender. It's even maybe on Wednesday, you know, like life is busy, life is crazy, all these things happening. And, you know, maybe you're married, maybe you have a boyfriend, girlfriend. Instead of like, you know, responding negatively when you're frustrated, you actually respond with compassion. You respond oh, yeah. with patience. You respond mm. with honor. Because even those relationships, we have to surrender to the Lord. He wants all of it. It's holistic. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that's really helpful. Yeah. Now, let me, let's go back to the idea of surrender. And I love how music is one expression of surrender, right? And then being kind to others is as well. How do we get to that place of surrender? Like, walk me through what that looks like. Yeah. You know, well, I love that question. I actually love just to share a story from kind of my testimony. No. No, sure you forbidden, no. <laughs> yeah. um, so maybe about six or seven years ago, I had just moved to New Jersey. Um, I was working a part-time job. I was actually dating my wife. She was still finishing up school in another state, so it was like a long-distance relationship. Oof. So that's tough, Hard right, man. for those of you who've experienced that. And I didn't even have my own place yet. So some friends of mine who lived in New Jersey, they're like, hey, stay with us, spare bedroom. That, that was awesome. But for me, you know, any kind of personality test that I take, it is just like you're the achiever, like you need all the details, you need mega information. And so like I was in this place of like I had none of that. Yeah. Everything was a question mark, like even, you know, seeing things on my horizon, like, like, like what's my purpose? Like I see marriage out there, but like I have no money, like all these different things. I didn't even have my own place. Mm. And so I was really overwhelmed. I was really stressed. And I knew I had to take this to the Lord. 
because I was trying to tap into my own strength. And I was like, mm -hmm. I can't do that. I don't have it anymore. And so it was maybe a Wednesday or Thursday night, okay. and I just wanted to create some space. Got it. And the people I was staying with, they were out on a date or something, like, or out of town or something. And so I kind of had the house to myself, and I just opened up the Bible. And I started praying, and I was like, Lord, like, I'm really feeling it right now. Like, I'm stressed. I'm anxious. You know, I, I could just deal with, like, a little bit of peace, Lord, some answers. You know, I don't know if you've ever prayed, and you don't even know totally what your prayer should be. Like, because there's so many things that are just big question marks. Mm -hmm. And that night, I feel like I heard the Lord speak to me. So when you say the Lord speak to you, like, what does that mean? Break that down for us. Yeah. You know, for me, sometimes when I'm praying and I hear the Lord speak, it's almost as if like a thought pops into my head that didn't feel like it originated within me or, or I'm praying and it's almost like an impression kind of settles on the front of my mind. And I interpret that as the Lord's voice a lot of times. And so I was in that place, I was praying and I feel like I heard the, the Lord say, Clint, I want you to kneel down. Hmm. I want you to bow down. And being the future worship pastor that I, I was, I was like, I'm good. <laughs> pass. Hard pass. What else you got? No, but seriously, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, but I stayed in that place because I was like really like, even in that moment, I was like anxious. And I was like, Lord, you know, like I, I, like, I need some answers. I need direction. Like, you know, like what's going on? And I feel like the Lord's voice got even louder. Hmm. He said, Clint, I want you to kneel down. And I did. I was like, okay. I'm gonna try this. So I got down on my knees. I was just like, I hope these people don't come home right now. And I did it. And I actually went all the way down. I went all the way down on my face. And as soon as I went all the way down, like all my anxiety, all my fear, all my stress, like it melted away in a supernatural kind of way. Like it wasn't like, I'm not saying that in a cutesy, oh yeah, I felt better. No, like there was some supernatural peace that came over wow. me. I felt the Holy Spirit That's wrap awesome. around me like a blanket. I even had like an increased awareness of God's love for me, hmm. an increased awareness of like God's provision and that he's working in those details. And Pastor Nathan, I think this is what's key yeah. is the Lord was asking me, Clint, like, are you willing to surrender? And I think mm. a lot of times I say no. I think a lot of us, we say no. But that night, I was willing to say yes. And when you step into that place of worship, when you step into that place of surrender, you're actually saying, Lord, not my strength anymore, not my power. Lord, I need your strength. I need your power. And when my anxiety meets God's power, my anxiety is no match. That's good. And that's, that's worship. Good. Amen? Amen, man. Amen. Dude, well, listen, thank you so much just for sharing your story and just being so, like, you know, vulnerable with us. Yeah. You know, when you talk about, I love that, you know, the full-on expression of what worship is and just the whole idea of, hey, hands up, you got to surrender. Exactly. Hands up. Hands, hands up. up. Do we have a hands up policy here at Liquid? At all times. All times. The second See? you hear worship, hands up. No. Um, well, I want to, can I share a little bit about that? Please. Absolutely. So um, when I think about surrender, I almost have a mental picture of like a battlefield and almost two sides are firing on each other. And then one side is all of a sudden out of ammunition. And what do they do? They come out like this hands up in surrender. And so that's why a lot of times in the musical expression of worship, you'll see it here even on Sunday mornings, like you'll see people's hands raised. Mm -hmm. And that's because lifted hands, it kind of has two universal meanings even outside of worship, outside of the church. The first one is surrender. Surrender, yeah. The second one is victory. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Why don't we all try this together? So go ahead all across the campus, put your hand up and say surrender. Surrender. Put your other hand up and say victory. Victory. Awesome. Now keep them up the rest of the service. No, I'm just kidding. Put them down. Put them down. Yeah, but I do want to say there's power in posture. Hmm. Because 
I think a lot of times, you know, like, it's like, well, I don't, you know, that guy's holy, he's got it, you know, but the reason we lift up our hands, it's not so that, you know, we're, you know, like, oh, I'm good with God. No, it's actually to bless God's heart. It's yeah. telling him that, Lord, I belong to you, I'm yours, and it's just this external posture that reflects that internal reality that wow. I belong to Jesus, I belong to him, and I'm surrendered to his will. Dude, yeah. that's awesome. That's, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I got to ask you, though. I love this idea of, it's, you know, music is A, expression, hands up is an expression. But I want to go back to the music thing. I heard something about, I don't know, a, a music thing happening with our worship team. There is, is a music thing happening. Is there a music thing? A, as a matter of what fact, is the music thing, we're Pastor releasing Clint? four live songs today, and you can get them anywhere you listen to music. That's you right. guys excited? We got live liquid music. That's awesome. All you got to do is type liquid worship in anywhere you listen to music, Spotify, Amazon, or you could go to lqd.com. It's on the card, and you can download a free copy. So I'm excited. Dude, that's going to be awesome. This like, is new for us. And what's fun is, like, you actually recorded these at our worship nights, right? Yes. Actually, I want to interject one little thing. Please interject. Something that's really special about these songs, as you can hear you guys on it. You like, guys are on live. it. If you went to a worship night the last year, like your voice is on it. You can hear people cheering, you can hear people singing. Yeah. And the royalties really... are in the mail, right? What? The royalties are in the mail, right? Yes, yes. We're going <laughs> to evenly distribute that. Yes. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, Clint, I got to ask you something. The one last question that I'll let you go is this, is, um, is, you know, when I was a kid, there was behind the music, right? And so is there like maybe a story or inspiration behind one of the songs? Yeah. Maybe to help us really kind of really appreciate, you know, where these songs have come yeah. from. Yeah, and this will be the last thing I say. So like what I'm really excited about is just in a few minutes, actually at all of our locations, we're going to be singing an original song called Greater after, after your message. Mm -hmm. And there's a lyric in there that I love so much, and this is why I love it. It's because none of us actually wrote it. It's straight from scripture. And it's this, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Mm, and so we're going to be amen. lifting up our hands amen. in surrender that King Jesus is worthy of all our praise, all our surrender. He's worthy of us being uncomfortable and lifting up our hands. <laughs> and we're going to be lifting up our hands in victory because the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives inside of me. And Jesus amen. says that I'm an overcomer and he says that I am victorious and I believe it in faith. Amen. 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 Worship. All right, who's ready to worship? Amen. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much, my man. I'll let you get back there. Absolutely. Now, at all of our campuses, our worship teams are getting ready to lead us into a time of worship, but we got one quick lesson I want to look at from Psalm 63, and it's this. True worship is a choice. True worship is a choice. Look how David ends his poem when he sings this. He says, The king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, and the mouths of liars will be what? Silence. Silenced. You guys know this, that David is in the desert. His son is pursuing him. And he's trying to kill him. Now for David, this is a little bit of a death of a dream. The death of the idea that he could pass his kingdom on to his son and see his son rule and reign. For David, there is a lot of pain that's associated with this, not just fleeing in the desert, not just leaving the comfort of the castle, living in the cave. David is in circumstances and situations that for many of us could be unimaginable. But what does David say? He says, I choose to worship God in my pain. Amen? I choose to surrender all of this to God so that I can see the victory of God silencing my enemies. Amen? See, for many of us, you're in situations and circumstances that you don't know how God's going to bring you out of. And, and you're in pain right now. And maybe you came here today with your arms crossed and your heart closed. But I love what Pastor Clint said. He said, there's power in posture. 
Maybe the way you surrender today is you say, all right, God, I'm going to surrender so I can see victory. I'm going to surrender the way I think you should handle this situation. I'm going to surrender the way I want things to go so that you, God, can be victorious, so that you, in the end, can silence the voice of the enemy, can silence the voice of criticism, can silence the voice of doubt. You know, you know, we kind of look at this hands-up thing as it's kind of weird. But for many of us, every Sunday, we do this. And then say, touchdown. <laughs> right? And so now we're like, God, we want you to touch down on our hearts. Amen? God, we want you to touch down on our bodies. Amen? We want you to touch down on our families and the brokenness all around us. And so here's what we're going to do, church. We're going to stand up on our feet all across our campuses because we're about to worship. Let's all stand up. And just like David said, let's put our hands up, folks. Say surrender. surrender. Say victory. victory. So Holy Spirit, we just choose right now to surrender our pain to you. We surrender our anger to you. We surrender our doubt to you. We surrender our unbelief to you right now because we know the victory is coming in you, Jesus. And so, Father, as we choose to worship you when we don't feel like it, and maybe we're in a place where we are ready to go. We just ask that you would touch us right now. That your power and that your glory would fill this place in the mighty and awesome and the all-conquering name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship, church.